This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have great news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to get it done as the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures, from golf, esports, combat sports, to the NFL and Major League Baseball. It's all there. Head on over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. MyHotTub.com is a global leader in the hot tub industry. With over 25 years of experience, their hot tubs are built in the United States with the highest standards of quality control, an extensive warranty, and customer service representatives available seven days a week. They offer free shipping to your home with factory direct pricing and incredible financing plans. Visit online at MyHotTub.com or stop in Destiny USA today. MyHotTub.com. Whether online or in person, you better hurry because these spas won't last. What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by our great friends at Burn Dairy, Brewerton Ace Hardware, Rosie's Corner and Carvel of North Syracuse. If you're in and around Central New York, make sure you do indeed get that sweet treat, ice cream cake as well for any occasion at Carvel of North Syracuse. And a huge tip of the cap, thank you as well, to the Vince Aguera Consulting Group, Ken's Auto Detailing, and Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual. New York State at your tax-efficient retirement planning today with Brian. We did. We're super happy about our future. Brian Comboy made it happen. Head on over to advisors.massmutual.com and set up your financial future today. To say my next guest is accomplished would be a gross understatement. He is one of the great biographers in book writing history. Some of his bios have reached the bestseller list, including bios on Vince Lombardi, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Roberto Clemente, and on and on it goes. He's won two Pulitzer Prizes for journalism and was a finalist three other times. And he's done it again with another biography. It's called Path Lit by Lightning, The Life of Jim Thorpe. Go get it online where books are sold. David Marinus, thanks so much for a few minutes. Congratulations on the work. I'm great. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be back with you. What's Jim Thorpe's greatest accomplishment? Uh, Survival? (laughs) No, I mean, I think that in terms of his athletic accomplishments, what he did was unparalleled. Um, you know, there have been a lot of wonderful athletes through the course of American history. No one did what Jim Thorpe did, which was be a, a gold medalist in the decathlon and pentathlon, an All-American football player for two years, um, the first great professional football player, the first president of what became the National Football League, and a Major League Baseball player. So, you know, in that sense, um, 
He was voted the, the greatest athlete of the first half of the 20th century, above Babe Ruth and Jack Dempsey and a lot of other great athletes, Jackie Robinson and other great athletes. And although it's hard to compare athletes from different generations, um, what he did was unlike what anyone else has ever done in, in American athletics. Well, and I think some, you know, again, it, it is hard to compare eras and, you know, uh, the way the games were played, all sports uh, through the sure. years, decades, um, you know, but everything grows uh, with time and, you know, the bigger, faster, stronger thing and all that. You know, a lot of people think, well, Jim Brown wouldn't be able to play to the Jim Thorpe. I got news for you. If you're Jim Thorpe, if you're Michael Jordan, if you're Muhammad Ali, you know, if, if you're Tiger Woods, if you are Jim Brown, if you're Tom Brady, you can play in any era. And I think Jim Thorpe, would uh, would 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 still succeed today, right? Even at his uh, well, six one two hundred pounder. I mean, it's not like the guy would be small today, you know. Um, yeah, he wasn't huge. He, they didn't lift wet weights in that era. And you're right. I mean, tr- you know, the training, the diet, the the equipment, everything is different from generation to generation. But but Thorpe had the sort of body and the sort of incredible all around skills that I think. Absolutely, he could prevail in any generation. Um, you know, he wasn't just good at those three sports. He was also a great ballroom dancer and and could play ice hockey. Um, so you know, he he could he could do anything and adjust. And one of the things that people talked about um, who competed with and against Jim Thorpe is that he could watch someone else do something and then repeat it and do it better than they could. He has um, this look on on his face on the cover of, of your book. Again, it's Path Lit by Lightning, The Life of Jim Thorpe. Go get it online where books are sold by the best-selling author of When Pride Still Matter, David Marinus, and, of course, multiple uh, Pulitzer Prizes to go along with his amazing um, career as a biographer. He's got this look on his face, kind of like, I'm good, duh. You know? <laughs> how, did, how did you pick the cover? I mean, he's literally like, it, it looks like he's looking at people going, don't even test me, man, you know? I know. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I, I said, that's the cover. Um, I mean, it's electric, isn't yeah, it? I mean, it there's is. just yeah. power and uh, charisma oozing from that face. Um, that was in Stockholm, 1912, yeah. when he was competing in the Olympics where he won the decathlon, <laughs> sort of at the height, the peak of his powers. I would say 1912, Jim Thorpe was perhaps the greatest single year of athleticism ever. Um, not only did he win those two gold medals, but he also played brilliant football for, for the Carlisle Indian Industrial School that year, leading them to great victories over Penn and Harvard and Army, um, which was sort of the ultimate uh, act of athletic retribution, the Indians beating the Army. So he was obviously Native American, and yes. he's the first Native American to win a gold medal for the United States in the Olympics. That's another incredible thing. I feel like his resume is so long that you could like list 25, 30 things and still forget 10. Um, but, but his Native American culture and, you know, his upbringing and how that impacted how he dealt with, um, you know, racism, right, uh, on, on the field and off the field, um, how he helped others, you know, after his career. Can you dive into his Native American heritage and, oh, you know, sure. how proud yeah. he was of it and, and kind of the impact that he that he had in, in, in that space, David, because it was a big one. Yeah, he was born in what was called Indian Territory then, in what became Oklahoma, um, near the North Canadian River. Uh, he was a Sac and Fox from the Sac and Fox Nation, 
um, is descend, or he was the descendant of Black Hawk, the great Sac and Fox warrior. His mother would often tell him that he was the reincarnation of Black Hawk. So he had a very strong identity in that sense. He went off to the Carlisle Indian Industrial School, whose mission was essentially to drain the Indianness out of Indians. Um, the motto of that school was, kill the Indian, save the man, um, which meant take away their religion, their culture, their language, um, cut their hair, dress them in the uniforms of the U.S. Cavalry, um, and assimilate them as much as possible into white society. Um, the people who ran that school and those types of boarding schools thought they were doing good. They were actually dehumanizing people. Um, Thorpe survived it, um, as did most of the young Indians who went there. Um, but um, over the course of the many decades, uh, he became more and more active in, in Indian rights uh, issues. And especially when he was living in Southern California, um, he had bit parts in over 70 movies. And he was the spokesperson for the Native Americans, about 200 or 300, who lived on the fringes of the studio system in Hollywood. And he was there promoting them, trying to get the, the uh, movies to use fewer negative stereotypes of Indians and also to, to make sure that when there were jobs that required Native Americans, that there were Indians playing those jobs as opposed to white people um, dressed up in grease paint. So he had a very strong identity of his second Fox heritage. Okay, so Jim Thorpe became Jim Thorpe when? I mean, Jim Thorpe, the American, you know, athlete, the American icon. I mean, was it as early as 1912? Was it even a couple years before that? Well, uh, 1911, he was phenomenal. He was a first-string All-American football player in 1911 yeah. and was um, – a dominant uh, track and field star at Carlisle that year and also played baseball. Um, so he did everything during that period. Um, I would say that, that maybe um, in 1911, he played a game against Harvard up in, in uh, Cambridge in Boston um, where he just dominated the game with, you know, he, he, he not only was a great runner and played 60 minutes defense uh, as a linebacker slash defensive back, but he also was a great um, punter and place kicker. And he beat Harvard almost single-handedly with his field goals and his great running. And I think that game was covered by sort of the elite uh, Eastern press. Um, Walter Camp, who made the All-American teams in that era, was there. And I think that that game sort of solidified um, the beginning of the Thorpe legend, um, which was only enhanced the next year when he went to Stockholm, won the gold medals, and again dominated in college football. So how did it play out in 1912 with, you know, at that time there were strict rules regarding amateurism. Um, you know, they were in effect for athletes participating in the Olympics and athletes who received money, prizes for competitions were sports teachers or had, uh, I guess, competed previously against some professionals. They, they were not considered amateurs and they were barred from competition. So a report came out, obviously, in, I believe, January of the next year, that Thorpe had played professional baseball before the Olympics, and they were going to strip him of the amateurism and all that sort of thing. How did that play out? Uh, it, I mean, did they take the medals at first? Did they give them back? What, what was the beginning, middle, and end of that? Well, the beginning was that he had played um, Bush League baseball in the Eastern Carolina League in 1909 and 1910. 
um, at a time when literally hundreds of college athletes were playing summer baseball for a little bit of money. Um, but most of them were playing under aliases. Dwight Eisenhower played under the alias Wilson in the Kansas State League. Um, the Eastern Carolina League had so many players playing under aliases that they called it the Pocahontas League because everybody was named John Smith. <laughs> Thorpe played under the name Jim Thorpe. Yeah. He never tried to hide it. Um, and after the medals came out, after he won the medals, a story uh, sort of quote-unquote broke, even though it was in the it had been in the North Carolina papers for a long time, but it sort of spread that he had played professional baseball um, and his medals were immediately taken away from him. And the, the main thing here is that people in power who knew exactly what Jim Thorpe was doing lied about it to save their own uh, reputations. So that the famed Pop Warner, you know, for whom youth football is now named, who was Jim's coach in Carlisle. He knew exactly what Thorpe was doing in summer baseball, but he said he, he didn't know just so that he wouldn't be in trouble himself, as did James E. Sullivan, the head of the Amateur Athletic Union and American Olympic Committee. He was also on the board of advisors of the Carlisle School. He knew what Thorpe was doing, and he too um, was responsible for, for first saying he didn't know about it, that he was outraged, and that he took away Thorpe's medals. Path lit and by lightning. And then, and then it took 110 years <laughs> right. those, for those records to be fully restored. It only happened last month. Wow, unbelievable. The book is out, Path Lit by Lightning. It's the life of Jim Thorpe. David Marinus, uh, kind uh, enough to join us here on the ML Sports Platter. And you can grab this book online where books are sold. And, of course, at your nearby bookstores. You've written biographies on the biggest names in history. I mean, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Vince Lombardi, Roberto Clemente, Jim Thorpe now uh, being your latest. Um, if you had to connect all of the people you've written a biography about, what's the, what's the connection? You know, I would say that the connection would be um, willpower to persevere, to overcome obstacles, whether it was Clinton and Obama, essentially coming out of nowhere to become president of the United States from South, uh, Southwestern Arkansas or Hawaii, um, overcoming many obstacles to succeed. Uh, Vince Lombardi, similarly, you know, 20 years working as an assistant coach, never thinking he'd get a, a shot and finally getting a chance in little green Bay and becoming the iconic football coach of all time. Roberto Clemente having to deal with the prejudices of both race and language to become the beloved figure that he was. Um, and then Jim Thorpe, you know, overcoming all that he did as a native American. So I would say it's the will to succeed in overcoming obstacles. So Jim Thorpe was, was coached slash managed by unbelievable figures in the history of sports as well. I mean, we just touched on pop Warner, uh, yeah. John McGraw with the giants, right? I mean, there, there were, there were just these iconic names attached to Jim Thorpe from the coaching and managing side of things. What one did he have the deepest connection with? Um, I would say it was Pop Warner, even though Warner, um, you know, sort of was cowardly at the moment of Jim's biggest crisis. But they had a codependence. They rose together, brought Carlisle to, to fame. Um, but, you know, Thorpe did a lot of it on his own. I mean, John McGraw was a brilliant manager, but he mismanaged Thorpe. He didn't play him for four years. He just sat on the bench. 
he finally got his shot when he was traded to the Boston Braves and, and led the league in hitting for almost the entire year of 1919. He and Babe Ruth were, were the two headliners in Boston there for the Braves and the Red Sox. Um, so, you know, in some ways, these two iconic coaches, um, Pop Warner and John McGraw, both um, let Jim down in some ways. But, you know, when you talk about great figures, one of the fun things about this book was all of the incredible names that ran through Jim Thorpe's life. He went to the Olympics with George S. Patton, who competed in the modern pentathlon. He played football against Dwight Eisenhower with Omar Bradley sitting on the Army bench. He played baseball with Christy Mathewson, traveled the world on a on a baseball tour with um, Sam Crawford and Tris Speaker, two Hall of Famers. Then he went to Hollywood and acted with Bob Hope and just about every other famous actor and was and the movie of his life was directed by Michael Curtiz, who directed Casablanca. So, you know, it's incredible to think about all the names that Jim Thorpe intersected with. What do you hope people say about the book, David, when they get done with it? That it's a great story and that it illuminates a a, a difficult part of American history in terms of Native Americans, but also a story of perseverance. I mean, Jim Thorpe died rather young. I mean, 65 years of age, right? Well, yeah, I mean, in that era, in 60, you know, people died earlier. Um, but he was younger than the average, and he died of a heart attack. Um, and he not only died young, he died almost unrecognized um, in terms of the way the society was dealing with him at that point. You know, he was struggling for jobs. He was sort of the greeter at a bar in, in Southern California. He never really got... Um, his due in terms of what he wanted out of his life, except for the brilliance of his athletic career. A couple more quick questions here for David Marin. It's a terrific biographer. His latest one, Path Lit by Lightning, The Life of Jim Thorpe, available online, where books are sold in your near, uh, nearby bookstores. Um, what What do you think Jim Thorpe would think about sports today? Well, <laughs> he was sort of an old school guy. I mean, I remember, you know, there was a brief period in the 19... 19- early 1950s when they went back to 60-minute football, no substitutions. You played offense and defense. Um, and he, he liked that. And he was upset when they went back to, um, the, you know, the, the separate uh, teams. Um, so, you know, he was, he was old school in those ways. I think that he would be envious of the money that's in athletics now. He never made much money off of sports. You know, it was a big deal when he was being paid $300 a week to play football. So when you write these biographies, and they're all amazing, um, does it get easier or harder? (laughs) Boy, isn't that a good question. Um, In some ways, it gets easier in that I I know how to look for information at archives and that more archival material primary sources is what I rely on. And more and more of those have become digitized. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, some of the tools of the trade are, are easier than ever. Um, but it's still, you know, the key to any good book is figuring out what what the threat of it is. And, you know, that's that's always where I spend my most time trying to, to figure out how to tell the story. If Jim Thorpe, you know, were here today, what do you think he'd think about the book? Um, boy. I mean, that, that, I, how do you answer that question without sounding boastful? I mean, I think, I think he would think it was the real story. And I've had several 
um, Native American scholars read the manuscript before it's published, and they all thought it was the right story. So I got to imagine that in today's day and age, if Jim Thorpe is uh, 18 or 19, and he's in, in college football, I'm pretty sure name, image, and likeness works out pretty well for him, huh? <laughs> I would think so, yes. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, he was before all of that stuff. I mean, you know, he was way before the first $100,000 uh, yeah. athlete, let alone um, $240 million athlete. What a time. Well, this has been just awesome. Uh, David Marinus, go get it right now. The biography is out. Path Lit by Lightning, The Life of Jim Thorpe, online where books are sold, and major bookstores, and of course, among his best-selling books other than that. Our biographies on Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Vince Lombardi, Roberto Clemente. The list goes on and on for the two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, David Marinus. DavidMarinus.com for more information as well. David, I've loved having you on. I think I've had you probably the last uh, 20 years off and on when new books come out. And uh, when I got the email from Adam to, to have you on and I saw what you were, you were coming up with this time, I, I, was, I, just, love, I just love having you. I love, uh, I love our conversations, and I can't wait to see what's next. Oh, me too, Michael. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Celebrate your whale of a dad with a fudgy the whale ice cream cake from the locally owned and operated Carvel of North Syracuse. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter what kind of treat or design your dad wants, they make it happen. Your dad deserves a tasty treat this Father's Day. Soft serve ice cream, milkshakes, sundaes, shakes, and more. America's favorite since 1934. Carvel. Open seven days a week. Brewerton Road in North Syracuse. Stop in today. Fudge of the Whale is waiting for you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.